Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, during this Easter season, we have again been reminded that eternal life is not just something that's tacked on to the end of this life that we have now, but that this life that we have is really the prelude to eternal life. We have that gift of eternal life that death cannot end right now. Because the Son of God did not come into this world and take on our human nature, live, die, rise, and return to the Father simply to make our life in this world better for a time, but to give us life that is true life, life that does not end. And so, what awaits us in the future down the road, so to speak, is greater than what we have now. Greater in every single way. It's the glory of the life described for us in Revelation. The life that God intended for us. Of, of a paradise that we can't even fully imagine. Life free from the trials of this world. Life free from those old enemies of sin, death, and the devil. Life, body, and soul filled only with the joy and perfect peace that comes from the presence of our God and Savior. And so what is most real is not the life that we have now, but the life, but the life that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has won for us. Now, we sometimes get deceived into thinking that what happens out there in the real world and what happens in here, in church, is an escape from the real world. That's not really the way it is. The life of God is greater than that. Even those saints in the Old Testament who lived over 900 years on this earth lived but a tiny fraction of their lives here. They live on. They live on and so will we because Christ is risen and he gives us life. Now I bring all that up to serve as a helpful background for the Holy Gospel that we heard today that we might understand it plainly. For we heard this wonderful promise of Jesus where he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, many people get super excited when they hear those words, and rightfully so. But they're also very often misunderstood. Because what do those words mean? Do they mean that I can pray for whatever I want, and as long as I tap those magic words in Jesus' name at the end, I'll get it? No. That's not how it works. Right? Tacking the phrase in Jesus' name onto the end of our prayers isn't some kind of magic formula. It's not like saying abracadabra or open sesame. It's not like an unlimited gift card that we can use with God. Our Heavenly Father would never give us what is not good for us, no matter how we pray for it. And then, of course, there would be the example of what would happen when God receives competing and opposite prayers, both prayed in Jesus' name. The farmer who prays in Jesus' name for rain for his crops. And the family who prays in Jesus' name for sunshine for their picnic. Well, one, one will be a disappointment. So how does God decide? 
Is it for the ones who pray with more faith? For the ones who live a better life and are more deserving? You'll hear people make claims like that. But the danger in that is that those kind of false teachings get people to despair in praying. And to, and to doubt that God really loves them. Or to wonder if they'll ever be good enough. And they end up giving up on God. And giving up on prayer. But when Jesus spoke the words of this promise on the night when he was betrayed. The night before Jesus would lay down his life on the cross for the life of the world. Jesus wasn't promising his disciples the riches and wealth of this world. He had been teaching them all along that his kingdom was not of this world. And so would now he change and and direct their hearts and desires to the things of this world? No. And really, it seems that prayers like that are not prayed in Jesus' name, no matter what you put at the end of the prayer. But when we pray for things of this world, oftentimes we tend to pray in our own name. For those are my wants, my plans, my desires, not those of Jesus. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, first and foremost, we need to recognize that it's not a formula. It doesn't, the Lord's Prayer doesn't even have Jesus' name at the end. Neither do Luther's morning and evening prayers or the common table prayer. Have we been praying all those prayers in vain all these years? No. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? It is to pray by faith. It is to pray by faith in the divine name that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all share. It is to pray with prayers that are based and grounded in the Word of God. Because His speaking to us teaches us how to speak to Him. And so it's to pray not with the mind of man shaped by the world, but to pray with the mind of God shaped by his word. It's to pray with our hearts set on things above, not clinging to the things of this world. And so it is to pray knowing that Jesus has not only overcome the world out there, but also has overcome the world in our hearts and all of its desires. It's to pray in the reality of our baptism. That we have been born again from above. Children not of this world, but children of God. What a joy to witness Lucille's baptism and remember our baptism. To remember that we are children of God. And that shapes our prayers. And so it's to pray knowing that this world is not all there is. But that... What we live now is a prelude to eternal life because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so to pray in Jesus' name is to pray in the name and the reality that he has given us. Not in the name and the reality and the agenda that the world sets before us. And so it's much more than mere words packed on to the end of our prayer. It's the faith that connects us to Jesus, that joins us to him. In a, revela- in, a, in a relationship that is everlasting. And so that also means that when we pray, although we pray as individuals, we never truly pray alone. Our prayers join with all the prayers of the people of God, united by faith in Christ, of all times and all places. 
Yes, even with those Old Testament saints who lived so long ago, who didn't use those words in Jesus' name, but nevertheless prayed in that same way too, as they called on the name of the Lord. For prayers in Jesus' name are always bigger than us. They're the prayers of the church, capital C, church. For the church is the reality gathered and formed in Jesus' name. We are called and gathered in his name in the invocation. We are baptized in his name and then absolved in his name. Here we eat and, and drink the body and blood of the one who bears the name. And we are blessed with his name sent out from here in his name. Here we are immersed in his name. We go out into the world to live in his name. For in his name we receive all the blessings and gifts of life and salvation that he has for us, that he won for us. And again, it's not just us here now in this place, but the whole church, the angels, archangels, all the company of heaven who are gathered in the name around the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And thus gathered by our Savior and receiving his gifts, we respond in prayer. Our prayers and songs of thanksgiving and praise, our prayers on behalf of ourselves and the world, our prayers formed in his name, his gifts, his promises, his life. And then we take these gifts and these prayers out with us into the world. We live our lives out there in the world as an extension of the life that's given to us here. For prayer that starts here doesn't end here or stay here, but rather it goes into all the places where God puts us. To bring the blessings here that we receive here to give those blessings to all those around us in the world. And again, as we pray, we never pray individually. We never pray alone. We pray and we live in the name that's given to us here, the name of adoption, of forgiveness, of holiness, of life. And to the end, and what does Jesus say? That our joy may be full. The joy of life that so many in this world have lost or are looking for. We have that joy. The joy of faith. The joy of forgiveness. The joy of unity in Jesus' name. Now after saying all that, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to ask him for the things that we need in this life. Even the things that we want. So don't feel guilty about that. As Luther said, if God is our father, which he is, then we can ask him as dear children, ask their dear father for anything, for everything. I talk about that in confirmation class, that as, as children, uh, parents have that wonderful example, my children always are asking me for things. Usually it's food related, right? But they don't, they're not scared to ask me for anything, right? How much more so are we to talk to our Heavenly Father and, and not feel scared to talk to Him about anything or to ask Him for anything? But we do so trusting that He promises to provide us with exactly what we need, what He knows to be for our very best. So the reality of eternal life puts our lives and our prayers here in the proper perspective. 
And it shapes what we want to ask for. So while God certainly wants us to enjoy this life and the blessings of this life, even more, he wants us to enjoy the eternal life that he has prepared for us. And so while cars and boats and money and healing are certainly very nice and good things, we need to realize that there is more, much more prepared for us. And so to pray in Jesus' name is to pray with that in that mind, in one mind with Jesus, our Lord, the one who came down from heaven and joined himself to us for all of eternity. That means when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray not alone, not only with the church on earth and heaven, but we also have this confidence that we're praying with Jesus. Because in the end, to pray in his name means that he makes our prayers his own. Certainly, what a friend and savior we have in Jesus. Amen.